And well, I've been asked to talk about the scoffer, but, but I'm not going to do that because uh, uh, my version is about the mocker. So in, if you've got the NIV, it will not be the scoffer. Scoffer has a different connotation in our house. A, let me tell you what a scoffer is, and then I'll forget about it again. A scoffer is someone who, you have a piece of dairy milk chocolate, you know, and you, and you leave the whole bar in either the fridge or the cupboard, and when you come back, it's gone. That is the scoffer. Let's turn in our Bibles to the mocker. I'm just, there are 17 verses about the mocker. Uh, there are over 70 in the Bible. It's a huge subject. I'm just going to use one verse uh, this morning, uh, which is in verse tw- uh, chapter 21, verse 10, where the writer says, Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. Really, he's talking about drive out the mocker. Well, what is a mocker? A mocker is someone, and we live in a culture of mockery. A, a, a mocker is someone who derides with contempt and ridicule other people. Not simply what they do or what they say, but themselves. They put them down. They're rubbish. They're f- useless. And um, it's, it's, a, it's in our culture. It, it, to make fun of people at their expense by words or parody or mocking their accent or mocking something. And that's the culture. Now, the, the sad thing is that it, it starts... Where does it start? It starts in the playground. When we mock those who are fat or thin or useless at football or a different colored skin or who have a funny name or a funny middle name or their father has a strange job, uh, those who are wear certain clothes that we would never wear, certain brands that we would never wear. And, and it's, it's a culture of mockery. Um, and we, we want others to laugh with us. We want to be popular and to uh, deride others. And, uh, and we want others to feel we're with us. And um, we, feel cl- we feel clever about it. When, when the teacher's not there, we mock the teachers. Uh, I remember, as, I don't know much about girls' schools. My secondary school was all boys. And I, know, I don't know anything about those lovely creatures down the road at the girls' school. So my, my understanding of is to do with boys and boys' schools. Although junior school was mixed. But it's, it's, it's to do with deriding people, mocking them with um, maliciously having, seeking to shame, to pour contempt on others. It's in our culture. You go into a Premier football match, and you sit there, and there are quite normal people around you. Then suddenly... The people in front, quite normal, well-dressed people, stand up and hurl abuse and mockery at the other team's supporters. Nothing to do with the game. You know, what, how, what, how, what imbeciles you are to follow such a terrible team. You know, how stupid. And, and then they sit down, they're quite normal again. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it, it's, it, it, seeks, it seeks to make you feel better. You are more superior than, than others. Others are inferior for some reason. And, um, and so you mock their action and you do it by, you know, by 
words or accents or even to parry them. Now, it's, it's all, it can be religious. Jesus said, you know, it's, it can be a religious thing. Jesus talks about a man, a religious man, a Pharisee, came to worship. Uh, he's a good man. He gives a tenth of his income. He goes to church every week. He reads the Bible every week. And yet he comes. And the thing, when he comes to worship, he's not concerned about God initially. What he wants to do is to say, you know, how, how good he is. He's, Jesus says they're confident of their own unrighteousness. And they look down on everybody else. And then he prays, I thank you, Lord. I am not like other men, especially like this guy, this tax collector who's in coats with the Romans. And so that, that's contempt, really. And, and you know, you have one eye on, a good eye on yourself, a bad eye on the other person, and no eyes on God. And, and that's mockery. And, and it reinforces who you are, that you feel special. You feel better by saying that for some reason. And, um, you know, you magnify the social differences. We, I mean, the writer of Proverbs says, He who mocks the poor. We mock the poor. Those of a lesser... Now, it's a very snobbish thing, but it's, it's in us all. We mock those who, who dress... Don't dress as well. Whose houses are scruffy? Who are on the you know the benefits with their scroungers? We mock them. We feel better. We're upstanding citizens. We work hard, you know, and they don't. And we, we delight in mocking them. It's a it's a culture. We look after ourselves, and we there's no compassion in it, and um, we forget that everything we have is from God, and. Um, there's a culture of mockery in our land, isn't there? It's, it's exalted. We have the program, Mock the Week. You know, have I got news for you? Which are very clever, very funny. But it actually, it's just always mocking, skeptical, deriding. You know, having a go at those in authority. Certainly those who voted for a different party than you would vote for. And... And it's essentially, you know, uh, we've got it right, and you've got it wrong. Now, let me just say it. There is a place for judging. You have to judge between right and wrong. You have to discern between right and wrong. That's essential. You know, it's no good, you know, never say anything bad about any, anybody. It's like there's another character in Proverbs called, He who has flattering lips. He never sees anything wrong in anybody. Well, Jesus did, and Jesus spoke. There are times when you've got to say, that is right and that is wrong. With politicians, you vote for them or you vote for the opposition. You vote them out and others in. There is a time, business, and what, to make judgments. Actually, there's a place for irony and sarcasm. That's it right through the Bible. But we're talking about putting people down for who they are. The sad thing is that um, some of you, alas, probably were in homes where you were put down. I can think of uh, one of my relatives who was constantly put down by his father because, well, he was the reason for them having to get married. And uh, it was all the time. He could never do enough. He was never clever enough, like his cousins. And he was constantly put down. And it it, it affected him immensely as he grew up, a fine lad. But it affected him. 
And, and some of you, you know, may have had to do, have that. You, put, you were never clever enough. You were never academic enough. You were never any good at sport. And the career you got wasn't really good enough. And uh, the person you married, she certainly wasn't. But, uh, and, and there is that. Now, actually, what happens is in certain homes, you don't even know you're doing it. I mean, I have to say this. The school I was brought up in, which is a very good school academically, but it was a culture among the lads who could be sarcastic and sharper and, and like knives putting people down. And when you become a Christian, you realize how screwed up you are. And for the last 50 or so years, trying to unscrew the, the twisted stuff that was, when, was there. Now, fortunately, you may know nothing about that, but I guess you do. It may be actually also even even worse scenario. We're talking about the marriage thing, is that certain partners derise and puts down and mocks all the time. And you have to put up with it. One partner has to put up with it. Unfortunately, it usually ends up in separation and divorce because you can take it for so long and then you know it's just a constant stream of undermining and mockery and derision. Now, that's an extreme case, but it goes on. And alas, we don't often know we're doing it. And the scars that mockery causes are immense. You can think of things that were said in the playground at the school, at secondary school and by someone else. A throwaway line that went right in, the mockery. It's very powerful stuff. And because um, the worst thing about mockery is really what it does to the truth and the faith. And that's why the Bible is so strong against it. Because it is the biggest theft of joy and truth and life. That's why it's such an important subject. That uh, it destroys the very foundations of life. It pollutes the very fountain and cups of life. So it's not a small thing. And, um, And that's why we have to deal with it. It's not just a little joke about religion. No, we, we see it right in the whole of the culture. You don't have to go to, to uh, Hyde Park Corner to Speaker's Corner. And you go there, you'll get a lot of mockery. You, it's, it's like World War III there some days. But, you know, people mock it. You don't believe in sin. Nobody believes that nowadays. You know, we, we've come of age. You know, we're basically good. No one believes in that. It's rubbish. Victorian stuff. Now, go and see a psychiatrist. We don't believe in sin anymore. You Christians, you're... And they dismiss it. They dismiss the whole concept of, of, of that. Even though the Bible is very clear. Even Jesus and the apostles talk about the serious, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. How powerful it is to destroy people in this life and the next. But they dismiss it. We don't believe all that. We don't believe in the next life. Goodness, but when you die, you die. That's it. You rot or burn. We don't believe that. We don't believe in a God. I mean, it's a thing of the past. We've come of age. You know, we're in a postmodern age. God, God is just a projection of our, some father image. We don't believe in that. You know, you, you look at the science books. Where, where is God? And, and they mock you all the time. And um, they mock the very existence of God. Just a... You know, we're professionals. We, we're into, this is the computer age. We're finished with all that stuff. They mock it. And um, you can live as you like now. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. And they mock at anything sacred. 
They laugh and joke about God. It's shot through our culture, isn't it? But they know nothing of the glory and the wonder of God. God says through the prophet Hosea, he says, they have exchanged my glory for something disgraceful. They said, we don't want that. But the essence of glory is something wonderful, something solid. In fact, the Hebrew chabod means heavy, weight of substance. But we don't want that. You know, no, no, don't dismiss all that stuff. I mean, the great word is now, lighten up. Come on, lighten up. They don't want to face the deep things of life, the serious of life, that we are twisted and perverted and this, we need help. No, no, we dismiss that. And if there is a God, let him strike me dead now. Come on, here I am. I've heard people say that. We mock. And we, we certainly don't need anybody to help us. This proverb says 14 verse 9, Fools mock at making amends for sin. I'm all right. That's my neighbor. But the Bible, says, the Bible says, we don't believe in Revelation, just an old book. They mock it. They get verses out and mock it and deride it and apparently try to find apparent contradictions. And God, becoming a man, well, it's a nice tale on, at Christmas, but and God dying on a cross, he must be joking. We don't believe that. He's a good man, Jesus, one of the five. But not God, not the Son of God. No, no, no. And they, they constantly mock it. And, um, and God is just ridiculous. I mean, if we had time, we could look at how Jesus was mocked through his ministry. It's a very interesting study. Even at the end, when they come at the end, and they, 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 catch, it, they catch him, and they take him from Gethsemane, they dress him, they mock him, they put a false, a mock him, put a false crown on him, they put a false scepter in his hand, and they put a, a, a false robe on him, and they mock him as a king. And the sad thing is, that even when they come to crucify him, this poor man on the cross is dying in exquisite agony. Every, every class of humankind has a go at him. Even the soldiers came up and mocked him. But even worse, actually, those who passed by hurled insults at him. I mean, can you believe that? This is a bank holiday in Jerusalem. They're out for a stroll before lunch, and this poor man between others is dying in unbelievable pain. And they, I mean, well, they, mock, they insult him and shout insults. I mean... And this is the so-called people of God, the Jews. And the leaders. The leaders. Well, it says, the rulers sneer at him. The academics, the sophisticated ones, the leaders, the top men, they just sneered at him. And even those dying with him sneered at him. He said, one of the criminals who was hung there hurled insults at him. Right through his life. And, you know, he who was pretends to be the, the last great prophet. You said you'd destroy the temple in three days. Come on, where are you? The last great high priest. You, you know, you saved others. Save yourself. You said the king of the Jews. They mocked him. Let this king, this Christ, the king of Israel, come down and save himself. It's amazing, isn't it? The depravity of human nature on any level. 
All I say this, actually, read the running centuries. If you follow Jesus Christ full out according to the word of God, you will be mocked. It's a weapon that the enemy of the world will always use, I tell you. It's a good sign that you're on the right track. Not that you're offensive, but actually you're following Jesus. Now, but why do people mock? Well, it's not just an intellectual thing. There's something profoundly wrong in us. It's not just a cerebral thing. It's something that there is wrong in us with, with, our, with our hearts. Um, there's a perversity in our hearts. Now, Kingsley Amis, the writer, someone asked him, was he an atheist? Was he, did he believe in God? He said, I don't believe in God. I hate God. How bizarre. Why, why would you want to hate anybody who doesn't exist? But it's, it's the perversity of our hearts. It's interesting. Peter the Apostle says, in the last days, the last days are the days between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' second coming. So we're in the last days. Mockers and scoffers will come mocking, following their own evil desires. That's it. That's why they mock, following their own evil desires. There's a perversity in the human heart. <laughs> it's, it's to do with our hearts. It's not uh, an intellectual thing. We don't want to be accountable to any God, so we mock to try and get rid of it. I don't want to find God any more than the burglar wants to go and find a policeman. No, I don't want to do that. If you've ever read Paul Johnson's book, The Intellectuals, he talks about all the great modern intellectuals. And the thing that strikes you about the book, it's, you know, it's, it's all the well-known intellectuals from Rousseau and Kant and all these people. It is the perversity, the immorality of their private lives. No wonder they don't want to seek after God because they'll have to change. It's very, I mean, someone said about them, he said, their life is so morally black, they would make a black mark on a piece of coal. It's interesting, Aldous Huxley, the grandson of Thomas Huxley, Aldous Huxley says this very honestly. He says that the liberation we desired was liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because, listen, it interfered with our sexual freedom. That's why they don't mock Christianity, because I want to live with any man or woman of any sex I want. I will live as I like. And I don't want any light shine on. So the thing is, I will shine a perverse light on you. It's, it's got it right because of their sinful desires. Because the perversity of our own hearts. Well, they say, you know, things never change. Things never change. Things are always the same. Miracles don't happen. They have to realize, my friends, that miracles are not uh, to be understood. They are to be believed. And Paul the Apostle says, although they claim to be wise, they become fools. And they know nothing of the glory and the power of God. The writer, the writer of the Proverbs says, the mocker does, do not rebuke a mocker, or he will, he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Don't start wrestling with a, a mocker. You will be, you're in trouble. As someone said, you know, don't start wrestling with a pig. You'll get muddy and the pig will enjoy it. 
No, no, no. You don't, they, don't want, they don't want correcting. They don't want sorting out. They'll hate you, says the writer. They refuse to listen. You know that. You go to Hyde Park Corner and listen. They don't, nobody's listened to anybody. They refuse to listen. Now, that's an extreme case, I grant you. But they're close to truth, the mocker. It shows the darkness of their hearts. It's, it, intellectually, these people are very funny, very witty. They're very sharp. They, they, could out, they could beat you in an argument any day, in one sense. But it's all through pride. Proverbs says 21, 24. The proud, arrogant man, mocker is his name. He behave, behaves with un, overweening pride. The greatest of his sin, I don't need Christ. I certainly don't need a cross. Don't throw that at me. I'm doing all right, thank you. Don't, it's full of pride, says the writer of the Proverbs. But the thing is this, it sounds funny and it sounds great, but it'll lead ultimately to loneliness. Proverbs says, if you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. And at the end, it says, actually, men, men detest the mocker. You'll suffer on your own. You won't, you, people at the end will see through you. They, don't, they won't ultimately want your company forever. You'll be on your own forever, he said. You're very sharp, very clever, very funny. And, you know, you have a crowd around you. And you think, whoa, wow, what a smart, the smart crowd and the clever crowd. And they become national treasures soon, you know, all that nonsense. No, no, no. The sad thing is, it will incur the judgment of God. People say, I can live as I like. I can do what I like. God doesn't exist. And I say, if he said earlier, if he does, let him strike me dead. Paul says this. Paul the Apostle says, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. The one who sows to please the sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. If you have mocked God, which is the greatest of all sins, I don't need God and I don't need his Bible, I don't need his cross and all that stuff. It's it's the greatest insult there is to God. God God can do no more for humankind and for you and say, I don't need him. Look at my house, look at my kids, they're all doing well, I don't need God. Just a caricature of a, a bygone religion. But Paul says, you have to realize one thing. It's very obviously. It's the metaphor of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping, there's a gap between the two, right? In this life, you sow. In the next life, you will reap. You may have a very bountiful life in this life as regards material things. But you will reap destruction if you just sow to look after yourself. And that's what it says. It's, it's a damning thing. But what should we do? What should we do? Very briefly. What should we do? Well, let's just quickly go to the first, the first psalm. First psalm of the, the first psalm in the Psalter. It says, Blessed is the man and woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of of mockers. You notice he's slowing down. He's first of all, he's walking with the unbeliever. Then he slows down and listens a bit more. And finally, he sits. He sits 
in the seat of mockers. He's going nowhere. <laughs> mockers don't bother me. Now let me just stop there, and we could spend all morning on this. It should bother you. It should bother you immensely, because it erodes your spirituality. You cannot watch certain things, certain mockery and derision and unbelief without it affecting your eternal soul. It doesn't affect me. My friends, turn the blessed thing off. Move out of that company. You know that a certain company does not do you any good. In God's name, there are times when you don't sit or walk, you walk away. We can always tell with our kids but with whom they've been playing, right? You knew who you've been playing with. And it's true for adults, you know? You can't watch certain programs and read certain things and be with certain people with impunity. It will affect you. It has an eroding, defiling effect on your eternal spirit. And you have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of the company. Paul, and the writer says, get rid of the mocker. Deal with it. Drive it out, he's saying. There's a force into it. Move out. Turn it off. But it's all so clever. They're so funny. They're so witty. I know. That's how it gets in. And you start um, starting to not believe certain things. Your, your standards slip. You get, your, your edge is blunted. And then you wonder why it's hard to believe certain things. Because you've sat in the seat of those who are having a go all the time at the faith. And, well, they're not bad people. They are not bad. I'm not saying they are bad. I'm saying what they're saying will corrode you. And you have to move away. And let me say, you know, make sure you're about how we talk. You know? It's so easy to be mocking against other people. We look down. People, you know, well, you hear it, actually. My, you know, the in-laws, the in-laws, family, dear. People I work with. Now, you're, I'm not saying we shouldn't judge in one sense if they do things wrong, but we are judging them. We're putting them down. We're judging them. We're saying they're rubbish. They're useless. It, no, we're not saying exactly those words, but our whole demeanor does it. You hear yourself do it. You know, the in-laws or the, my boss or yeah, and you, you find yourself. You're, 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 you're back in the, in the world again. You've left the, the kingdom, as it were. Now then, we have to deal with it. And my friends, do not allow your children to mock each other. I'm amazed how you allow children to have a go at each other. Stop it. Stop it. Watch what they say. Parents, you are in charge of what is said in your house. And if you let it go, they'll think, well, it's all right. It's not all right. We are raising godly kids. It's no good praying now if you don't do it at home. And that's what it's about. Because kids, are, they're natural mockers. The natural mimics as well. And we have to deal with this. Now look just quickly, the, the good news, the good news is, well, you know, what do we do? Because, you know, we have mocked. We've all done it. We haven't just said something's wrong or they, they, what they've done is wrong. We've put people down. We've dismissed people. Well, the, you know, the great thing is there is forgiveness. We're going to break bread in a minute. And you need to sort yourself out. There's, you've said certain things about people. You've got to put them down, wish them dead, as it were. But there is forgiveness. I remember Martin Lloyd-Jones, the preacher down in London in the last century. A man was gloriously converted. 
And yet, a few weeks later, he just came to the good doctor. He was in distraught. He said, you know, I've done terrible things. He said, what, what is it? He said, I, well, I said Jesus Christ is a real bastard. And he said, I know there's no forgiveness for that. Well, the good doctor was able to show that there is forgiveness. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That's why we, we can start again. Because we've all had a go at people. We've all said things. That we're, looking back, when the Spirit puts his spotlight on, we're ashamed of. But there is forgiveness. Every Sunday, well, when we break bread, every day we find the forgiveness, don't we? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And uh, you've got to deal with it. You see, you've got to put the death, not just the mocker, those other people, you've got to put the mocker in yourself. You, Paul says you put to death the old nature. The old, you know? You've got to render him, you've got to put it down. You have to do it. Put to death, he says. And you've got to deal with it. I mean, the saddest thing about David, you remember King David? He, at the end of his life, well, you remember as he's escaping from Absalom's coup d'etat, Shimei insults him. He insults him. Anyway, when David is returned to power, Shimei so apologetic. I'm really sorry I shouldn't have said that, you know, when you were fleeing. David never forgot. And he said on his, on his deathbed, fix that guy. And of course they did fix him. Shimei was put to death. I'm able to carry that all your life. My friends, you have to forgive people who have sinned against you, who, who, who rubbish you. Maybe a parent, maybe friends, they've rubbish you at work. You have to forgive them. You just get bitter and, and, and there's a, a bitterness and, and a poison comes. And bitterness is someone says, it's like drinking poison and thinking the other, the other person will die. No, you die in this world. You die inside. You have to forgive them. And, when, and, it, and you can't just forgive them once because the next day it comes back to your mind and you forgive them again. And as the bell tolls, you forgive them every day, Lord, forgive them. Jesus says, he says, look, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Lord, I forgive them, but would you bless them? And you've got to do that. And, and it's a great thing. And um, trust them to God. You say, I can't forgive them. I, can't. I find it really hard. Well, the proverb says, the Lord mocks proud mockers, but he gives grace to the humble. Just, it gives you grace to do it. That's the great thing. Let's finish. But you know, I, it's not just lads. I guess, I guess we're all girls of the same. We always want to be smart, don't we? We always want to be in the smart lot. We always want to be sharp. And let me just tell you this. When you become a Christian, you would become the smartest thing there is. You don't have to mock people because you've arrived in that one sense. You are joined to God. You're in the family of God. You're joined with God. You don't have to mock because you've arrived in that sense. You're in the family of God. You can't get any better. Now you're in the kingdom. You don't have to look down on people. Jesus, just love them. Just love them. The smartest thing in the world is to love them. Paul says, I didn't come among you, he says to the Corinthians, I didn't come among you with great eloquence or great wisdom. I realize that the ultimate of wisdom is in the cross. You don't have to mock people. Our, we're countercultural. Jesus says, if you, want to, if you want to be fruitful, it's like a corner wheat. Unless it dies and becomes nothing as it were, it abides, it remains a single fruit. But if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. In other words, if you really want to be smart, you don't have a go at people, my friends. You love them. Jesus says, serve them. But it's so counterculture. I know, but it leads to joy. Blessed is the man who doesn't sit in the seat of scorning. If you want to be blessed, get out their company. Stop it. If you want to be blessed, wash feet. The smartest people in the world realize I am a child of God. There's nothing great. I don't have to prove anything. We're in, right? We're accepted. We're clean. There's nothing greater. We've arrived. And we bless people. That's what it's about. And my time has gone. Bless you. Amen.